Hi, uh, welcome to this edition of this week's edition of the People Progressing Podcast. And today I have Coach Jim Johnson out of Rochester, New York, who's a, been a longtime basketball coach and has had has served served so many people and so many kids up there in, in New York. And Coach, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on. And I'm just going to start by asking you where you're from, what you like to do, what got you into coaching, what kind of sports you played when you grew up and so forth. Just give a little bit of background on Jim Johnson. Sure. So I grew up in a, in a sports family. I was the oldest of six children. I had three younger brothers and two uh, younger sisters. And uh, so there were some wars in the backyard. Uh, my dad uh, was a teacher and a coach. Um, in fact, I played high school basketball for him. Uh, although he was the only one that coached me, uh, although he coached my younger brothers in, in youth sports. But uh, when he, my senior year, when I graduated, uh, he went into administration. So he didn't coach any of my, my younger brothers. But uh, uh, so I grew up, um, and you know, growing up, I played all kinds of sports. And in high school, uh, basketball became my number one love. So I, I played basketball. I originally used to play basketball, baseball, and football. And then uh, I actually found out I was a pretty good runner. So I actually ran cross country and, and ran track my last couple of years, as well as playing basketball. So I played three sports, but my major focus was basketball. Uh, and then I, you know, I went to college. I thought I was a pretty good high school player, but uh, probably better in my mind than a lot of people. I played uh, one year at JV basketball. Back then they had JV teams. Uh, they don't have it too much anymore. And then I transferred to a school in New York, SUNY Cortland, and they, their program wasn't very good. So I thought, uh, you know, I'd be in good shape. And I, they had like 100 guys try out. I got down to the final 18 guys, and uh, then they let me go. So it was a pretty humbling situation. Uh, and kind of I went adrift for about a year because I basketball had been such a big uh, love. Fortunately, I met a young lady my junior year that kind of straightened me out and actually been married now for 38 years. And, <laughs> and uh, so when we, I got out of college, I was uh, wanted to get into teaching and coaching. And, and I did coach a lot of different sports. But, you know, I, I, my real dream was I wanted to be a head coach. And I, we moved back to uh, the Rochester area. I live, I live in a, a town called Greece, which is the biggest suburb of Rochester. And I bounced around early in my career. I, I was actually a head coach at 25 years old, which was pretty young, and thought I was uh, really a good coach. And I did such a great job with that team that I led them to 17 consecutive losses. <laughs> and uh, I ended up, uh, kind of a long story, but the bottom line is they let me go. And that was another very humbling experience. But actually, from a pro professional standpoint, it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it really woke me up. I was kind of arrogant, you know, at 25, you know, I was a head coach. And, and, uh, and it really made me uh, two things that really uh, were helpful for me is number one, it put a burn in my belly that I was going to prove that school wrong, yeah. that I could be an effective coach. And it never went away, you know, for the yeah next 30 years and then the second thing is it really woke me up that I had to become a student of leadership and coaching and building a team and that's when I really started to become much more of a student uh, which I you know I'm still a student I'm retired from coaching now but I uh, I um, you know still love uh, learning about you know leadership and building teams and that, that's the stuff that really uh, uh, gets my juices flowing. Yeah, uh, that's it's interesting. Well, let's go back a little bit when you were in college and, and that you made it to the final 18 and then they let you go. Yeah. How much do you think that experience 
transpired and helped you when you were a coach? I think it helped me immensely. And it's a great question, Joe, because in reflection, uh, I really had some very interesting in, in my basketball playing career because um, when I was in eighth grade was the first time they had organized middle school sports. Till then, it was only high school sports. And so I made the eighth grade team, but I was a really scrawny kid, although I love basketball. I didn't play much. So I was, you know, one of the last guys. In fact, to give you an idea, they kept like 20 guys on the team and they only had like 15 or 16 uniforms. So I actually had a, a, a t-shirt with a number on it, which oh. was kind of embarrassing, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I got to high school and I really, you know, I started to mature physically and I was investing so much time. I made some pretty, I played on the ninth grade team and then um, I moved up the varsity as a 10th grader. So, you know, I made some real progress in two years. In my senior year, our school hadn't had a lot of tradition of basketball. In fact, we won our first conference championship um, that year, uh, my senior year, and I was the best player in the team. So I went from a guy that was on like the last guy in my team to my freshman team. I was, you know, a decent player to my varsity, my senior year, I was the best player. And then I go to college and I don't make the team. Yeah. And, and I think why, why I bring that up is because it really helped me from an empathetic standpoint. Yeah, yeah. In the sense that, you know, because as a coach, you know, basketball, you got to cut kids. Yeah. And that was very hard. But I think I was much better at doing it because I had gone through it myself. And I also could kind of go into the shoes because I had been the best player on a team. So I kind of knew that role. I'd been, you know, a guy that was kind of in the middle of the road on other teams. And I was a guy that didn't play much on one of my teams. So, you know, so I, I really, I think it helped me immensely because I, as a player, I've been in almost every role, including getting cut. So, and don't you think coach that I, I, I have a saying that I think empathy, the word empathy is probably the, in my mind, the strongest word in the English language in terms of leadership. Yeah. yeah. And when you talk about it, and that's what I was looking for when I asked you that question and you brought it up, the empathy, we, we have so much in common. But the empathy that you have shown over the years in your leadership roles, not just as a coach, but as a teacher and so forth, be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. How important is that for leaders in all different types of industries, business, education, whatever? How important is empathy as a leader? I think it's extremely important because, uh, uh, you know, the, the, t the leaders that can build teams that bond and is that you've got to show that you care and that's yeah. really, you know, a big part of empathy is the ability to show that you care and that you treat people every person with respect whether they're the best player in your team or the weakest player or and we'll probably talk a little bit about or your team manager yeah. uh, you know yeah. and i think the fact that uh i'm actually uh, reading a book for the second time um where it's where the score takes care of itself it's by uh bill walsh the, the guy that wrote it with him he was actually um they didn't complete it because he had he died oh, okay um, and, yeah and he ended up uh, reuniting with his son but it's a wonderful read because he had all these notes um you know what that he was because they were getting close to finishing the book uh when bill died okay. so uh, uh but it's a great book on just you know um, the fact that how meticulous he was, but how much, um, you know, that he really did care about people, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So. And when you, when you go out and speak, as you go out and speak, you're an inspirational, motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. When you go out and speak, how much do you speak to business leaders about empathy in it 
having people first approach over profit first approach? Well, I do some different presentations. So I, I, you know, when I started and we'll probably delve into a little bit, but, you know, it was part of an inspirational story that kind of blew up all over the world. Yeah, we'll get to it. That's really how I got into speaking as I was hearing that story. And basically my first presentation was called Dreams Really Do Come True, where I shared the story and I talked about six keys to helping people make their dreams come true. And with the concept that I think most people have a dream, but a lot of people don't think the dream can come true. And, right. and you know, I, I don't, you know, even if you go through these steps, doesn't guarantee it, but it gives you a much higher percentage of, of actually doing a lot more than you think you can. But the other thing is, is I got into speaking and I broadened my horizons a little bit because leadership and building teams is what I love. Yeah. And so I developed you know, a, a talk on team and I talk on leadership and, you know, like I, I have like this seven step or keys that I talk about in being an effective leader. And one of them keys is, is servant leadership. And to me, that's the concept of, you know, if you can flip the pyramid and see yourself as a leader, that you're serving the people that are on your team as opposed to them serving you. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important thing, you know, going back to the empathy and caring and, you know, and, and uh, really showing, you know, the old edge, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So yeah, let's go back to, okay, so let's get into the J-Max story, coach. Why yeah. don't you, this is such an awesome story. And this is really how I first learned about you. I showed your story. Um, I used to show it to my class all the time before okay. I even met you. Yeah. Um, so why don't you go through the J-Max story real quick so people understand it and then we can go into your six uh, keys to achieving your dreams and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, J-Mac, uh, his name was Jason McElwain. And uh, I'll just give you a very quick background of before, at that point in my career, he came into our program in 2003. And at that point, I was at the school that I finished my career. And in the 20 years I was there, we never had a losing season. We had one division championship. But about um, eight years in, we had never won our sectional championship. In New York State, they have 11 sections. And to win a sectional championship, I mean, I have some friends that have never won one. You know, it's hard to get. Yeah. And so... Uh, so that was kind of, you know, my big stumbling block, I guess, you know, as a, as a coach, I had, you know, the famous head won the big one or whatever. And so this young man comes into our program and, and he's a little guy, he's like five, six, a hundred pounds. And he tries out for our JV team as a 10th grader. He, he actually didn't go out for basketball as a ninth grader. So I didn't know him. We, we were a pretty big school, so I didn't really know him at all. And after a couple of days of tryouts, my JV coach comes in and says, coach Jason, is not a good player. He's on the autism spectrum. He's learning disabled, but man, he has a big heart and he loves basketball and he loves the kids on the team. I think we should keep him in the program. He's, I said, well, what do you got in mind? He says, I'm going to offer him the team manager. I'm going to let him practice with the team. And that's what he did. And I will admit early on, we had some trials and tribulations. Everybody got used to Jason. But, you know, we, at that point, we built a pretty strong culture. So the kids really started, they could see that he loved the program yeah well they really started to embrace him and he would sit on the bench um for both he would go to you know the jv but he would sit on the bench for the jv game and then of course during the game he'd be all animated because he was so into the game and it always warmed my heart when our varsity would come out because he would want to stay on the bench for the varsity game and i'd see one of my varsity players uh you know straighten his shirt and tie out so he could be ready for the varsity game uh and and you know he would be on that 
Well, he uh, so he plays that whole year with the JVs, and he actually got in their last home game. He he got fouled on a three pointer, and he made three free throws. So that was kind of a, a nice little thing. And how he got the nickname J Mag very quickly is uh, I couldn't pronounce his last name. So one day I walked in, <laughs> and back then we had a player. Uh, Syracuse is about two hours from us, and and they had a player named Jerry McNamara that they yeah. called Mac. Yeah. And he played on their national championship team. And so I walked into JV practice. I said, Jason, come here. And he, he goes, yeah, coach. I said, you know, Syracuse has GMAC. Why can't Greece Athena have JMAC? And fortunately, he liked it. It saved, yeah, me. Go. I yeah. don't say his last name anymore. And uh, so after his sophomore year, what made Jason unique was not that he was on the spectrum or he's learning to say, well, was that I was a head coach for 30 years and I rarely, I probably could count on one hand the amount of players if they tried out for the varsity and didn't make it would try out again. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if they did try out a second time, they kind of did haphazardly. They, you know, did invest in the off season, but Jason was totally different between his sophomore and junior year. He came to all our off season workouts and leagues and, and, you know, I was picking him up and I, I he was starting to really, I was going, you know, I, I just admired his passion for yeah. basketball. And so he tries out for the varsity as a junior and I bring him in and I said, you know, you're not quite good enough to make the team, but I'd like to offer you the team manager's job. And he quickly embraced that role. In fact, in our first team meeting as junior, he, he raises his head. He, I said, yeah, Jason. He says, coach, I got to tell the team something. I said, sure. He says, we're going to embrace this mantra this year called stay focused and we're going to help you win your first sectional championship and at that point in my career we i had taken five different teams to the semifinals but it's the first we ever went so jason's junior we had a good season we get to the semifinals now for the sixth time in my career and we lose at the buzzer to our oh, cross no. so we were devastated yeah stop jason he was more bound and determined comes to everything again tries out his senior and I bring him in and this time I said Jason unfortunately I've got some good news and some bad news he goes tell me the bad news coach and I said well unfortunately he's still not quite good enough to make the team and you could see this time he's really disappointed because yeah. we're trying out I yeah. said I do have some good news his head kind of popped back up and he goes yeah coach what do you got in mind I said well for senior night I'm going to give you a jersey and hopefully get me you in the game and ironically that year Joe was uh, the most difficult first half of the season I ever had. We had a lot of it. I wrote a book about it called The Coach of a Miracle, and it's too long of a story, but basically it divided the team because of some issues with an assistant coach I had with me for about six years. And uh, it was really, really difficult. Um, and Jason didn't, wasn't really aware of it. So we, we were supposed to have a really good team, Jason's senior year, and we started well, but then when we had this uh, trauma, it really affected the team and we really were playing poorly. And um, what my, I, I was trying all different things to try to unite the team. And, and so finally we had lost three out of five games. We were like four and three. We we're going to this Christmas tournament and we went in the opening round in a close game and the host school, they were really good that year. They're called Fairport. And uh, they beat this team that we had played two weeks earlier and we had beaten in overtime. They beat them by 40 points. Oh and so the next day, we, uh, because it was during Christmas break and, you know, on days of games where we didn't have school, we would bring them in what we call a shoot around, which is a short practice for about an hour and just review things. So I bring them in the gym and I shocked them. I didn't bring any balls out. 
and I sat them in the bleachers and I looked them dead in the eyes and I said, guys, I don't want to go to the game tonight. And they kind of like disbelief. And they said, coach, what do you mean? I said, I said, unless we decide we're going to unite, Fairport's going to be us by 50 points tonight. But the best thing I did, you know, it's one of the things I talk about in effective communication uh, is I, I said, you know what, guys, I don't have all the answers, but you guys got to start sharing some ideas on how we can unite. And they started, they finally opened up and it's all we did. We didn't bring any basketballs out. It you know, took us about probably an hour and a half. And he, he, I'm not saying it cured everything, but it really got a lot out to, uh, and where we got back united. And that night we played a great game. We lost to Fairport in overtime, but he really showed what we could do. And then we got this great momentum, won eight of our next nine games. And we're going into senior night. Now, senior night that year was in 2006. It was February 15th. On February 13th, they gave J-Mac his first jersey. It was number yeah. 52. It was way too big. He didn't care. In fact, there was a rumor going around in school that he slept in it for two straight nights. Yeah. I'm sure uh, he did. I'm yeah. sure he did. So the game comes in. Um, the, for the, your listeners that aren't familiar with uh, uh, for a senior night, what we do is we honor our players, the seniors, and they're, you know, bring out their parents and guardians. And I'll yeah. never forget because I'll always cherish to see Jason embrace his parents before the game as a senior in uniform instead of his white shirt and black yeah. tie that we wore. So the game begins and we, uh, uh, and it, we had a good student body following. We had a pretty big crowd that night and they started chanting at the opening tap, we want J-Mac, we want J-Mac. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, I, so my dream in the, or thought for the game was uh, I wanted to get Jason with enough time to score a basket. I thought if he could score a basket, it'd be great. Well, I got everybody in uh, after three quarters except for J-Mac. So with about four minutes to go, I decided the time was right. I pointed to him. He nearly ran out of the court. He was so excited. <laughs> and then what happened next profoundly touched my heart and soul. What Jason and I didn't know, excuse me, one of our uh, parents made these pictures of Jason's face, these placards, and he put them on paint sticks. And he gave them to our student body. They called themselves the six man. And he said, if Jason gets in the game, show these. Yeah. So when Jason enters the game, I had no idea, and Jason didn't either, and they start showing all these pictures, and they give him a standing ovation, and I I, I, I lose it. You know, yeah. I, I usually don't cry at basketball games. Oh, I yeah. don't sit down, and tears are just falling down my face. I'm just so touched how they uh, embraced him coming into the game. Well, now the game begins, and Jason's in his first varsity game. First time he touches the ball, he's got a three-pointer from the right corner. He lets it go. The crowd kind of stands in anticipation and misses by like six feet. <laughs> not even close. And I kid people because this is a public school that I know you're not supposed to pray in the public schools, but I was praying. Well, the next possession, he gets about a, about a 10-foot shot. And this time it hits the rim. I'm thinking to myself, all right, God's starting to listen. We're getting closer. And then the third possession, he has another three, this time from the right wing. He lets it go, and magic, it goes in, and the place just it's explodes. So and I'm thinking to myself, it, God must be a basketball fan. Not only has <laughs> he scored, he's got a three-pointer. I can't get him better than this, right? Wrong. Well, unfortunately, his idol, uh, I say that because he's now the late, great Kobe Bryant, but that was Jason's um, idol. 
uh, he turned into Colby for the next three minutes and he just starts making shot after shot after shot. And the two things I'll never forget, and I'll give you a, a quick fast forward story and then we can talk a little bit about lessons if you like, but is that with a minute to go, uh, I'm still sitting on, the, on my chair. Normally I stand up during the game, but I was so overwhelmed with emotion and I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. Tears still running down my face and I get a tap on my shoulder. I look behind me and it's Jason's mother and she is bawling her eyes out. <laughs> she gives me a big hug and she whispers in my ear, coach, what, this is the best gift you could ever give him. Oh, I got goosebumps I right now. <laughs> I started crying harder. I, was so I didn't know that part of the story, coach. Yeah. I did not know that part of the story. Yeah, so that was so oh, wow. And then how the game ends is literally out of a movie scene. All the, you know, the game was not close, but uh, with about 10 seconds to go, and I want to give kudos to our opponent, their uh, coach and, and players were great sports. It, it was called Spencerport High School. They score, and our player takes out of bounds, and normally he throws it to a point guard. But he's this time he throws it right to J-Max. So J-Max dribbling down the court, and I see the clock ticking down six, five. I thought they would just let him go, and he'd go in and make a you know a short shot, a layup. Oh, no, he pulls up like <laughs> behind the arc. He lets go this rainbow. And I'm thinking, Jason, don't shoot for that. It's way too far. You're going to ruin the moment. Swish. Oh, my God. I look over. Our student body runs on the floor. Our players run on the floor. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm living the movie Rudy. Yeah. And yeah. Jason's parents have an interesting dynamic. His dad is six foot six, and his oh. mom is five foot two. And you see this little bitty lady going through the entire crowd and she embraces them. And then our oh. players put Jason up on his shoulder, on their shoulders. He's got the game ball over his head. At this point, I had no idea how many points he had scored. And our public address announcer comes on. He says, the leading scorer for the Trojans tonight, J-Mac with 20 points. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he'd have played the whole game. He scored 160 <laughs> less than four minutes. And uh, I'll give you one quick last story, and then we can talk a little bit about lessons if you like. But um, fast forward four months later, uh, Jason gets invited. He's up for the ESPY for the greatest sports moment of the year. And one of the other finalists is his idol. Kobe had scored 81 oh, wow. points for the Lakers in a game that year. So he was one of the four finalists. So he was actually going up against his idol, and he actually oh, wow. won the ESPY, beat out his idol, and he got a chance to meet him. So that was pretty cool. So, uh, but, uh, and then I guess the last thing, um, you know, I don't know which direction I want to take, but uh, a couple of things that jumped out to me is one of the things I talk about the essence of teamwork. As I mentioned, we had had a lot of strife. So I wasn't, I knew the kids liked Jason, but I wasn't sure how they would exactly respond. And I never asked them, you know, to do anything special, you know, like pass them the ball. Yet in those last four minutes out of their own hearts, he passed them the ball every time. Yeah. I call that the essence of teamwork and, and you know, the shine the light on, uh, on another person. And, and in fact, I, you know, I still see Jason a lot and I'll kid him. I'll say, Jason, I'm still looking for your first decision. <laughs> uh, but that was, that was really cool that, you know, they were able to do that. And, and the other th side is I believe uh, certainly I can't say that, you know, it was my intention, but I felt like there's been a ripple effect where I've seen some neat things, um, you know, with sports stories over the last decade, you know, that was actually 15 years ago, but I, in my heart, Joe, I felt like I did it for all the right reasons. Um, you know, I wanted to give this kid a chance. We had no media there. In fact, the only media I had is after the game back then we had to call in the score. 
So I called our local newspaper and I told them about Jason scoring 20 points. I thought for sure you would get a headline. I mean, how often does your team manager lead you in scoring, right? And they didn't make much of a deal out. In fact, they gave us a headline, but it said Trojans, our nickname, tied for the, because we won tied for the division title that year. And then um, mentioned just a little bit about Jason in the, you know, in the article. And I was like, I, I got to admit the next day I was teaching at the school and I didn't do much teaching. We watched the game film almost the entire day. Yeah, yeah. And I remember kids coming up to me and say, coach, this is going to get on ESPN. I said, ESPN, and get a headline in our local newspaper. But uh, as that turned out, what happened was Jason's speech pathologist, I really didn't know him very well, but he had worked with Jason for four years. He came to the game and he was so touched. The next day he called one of our local TV stations and said, you've got to come and borrow the video from the, the uh, coach. And they did and, and showed and got a pretty nice response. So the next day we had most of the local TV stations then you know, wanted to hear more about the story. And then one of our sports directors called me uh, and said, Coach, you mind if I send it out nationally? And I said, no, if you can make an impact on a country, I think it'd be great. And uh, we were going into our, uh, what we call our February break, where our students were off of school, but we were actually starting that sectional tournament. And so it was quiet for the weekend. So I thought, you know, that's where it was going to end. Well, Monday morning, I get up and we have practice in the morning because we didn't have school. And uh, I just before I leave, the phone rings and I pick it up. It's uh, CBS Evening News. And they normally don't call the house. And, yeah. and Coach, we've heard about the game. We want to come in and do a story. And they showed they did a story later in the week with Steve Hartman. And after that, it just by the end of the week, before practice one day, we were interviewed by ESPN, Good Morning America, and CNN. <laughs> and, and it was just, uh, and then it just got crazier and crazier because ironically, uh, kind of put the cherry on top. Uh, three and a half weeks later after the game, we actually won our first Section 5 there championship instead of a sold out crowd. So that kind of, uh, you know, in, in fact, I kidded people because, you know, it was so crazy for a while. We were getting calls from, you know, lawyers and agents and, you know, people want to make movies and books and all this crazy stuff. And I remember this one lawyer said to me, what coach it would actually add to the story if you win your first championship. Yeah. I said, that's what I need is a little more pressure. But fortunately, uh, we were able to obtain that year. And, uh, and certainly it ended up being, you know, a year I'll cherish the rest of my life. So. Well, it really unified your team, um, yeah. that whole story. And, and- helped you guys down the stretch I you know like I said I used to show the video clip from ESPN um, I used to have what I call perspective videos I would show my accounting class and I would just uh-huh. bring them in and show them a 10-15 minute video of something that could inspire them and that's where I first learned about J-Mac and you was was showing my class that video they loved it and every time I watched it I got chills every single time I watched it yeah. and the kids were just on the edge of their seats in my classroom watching it you know it was it was yeah. it's, a, it's an unbelievable story and you're talking a little bit about your six keys to achieving a dream what why don't you go over those real quick for us and and sure. because I think there's a lot of people out there that are trying to find themselves, you know, I'm going to be doing a find your purpose workshop here in a couple of weeks. And okay. it's kind of going this kind of go along the same mindset there. You know, how, how do you help people find their dreams? Well, you know, in these six keys that I talk about in my one presentation, I, I think it starts with passion. Um, yeah. You know, and it's something that I, that Jason and I had a 
big passion for, you know, sports, but in basketball in particular. So, you know, I, I think you know, one thing, cause I've studied a lot about success over the years and, and, you know, although, you know, you can be blessed with talent, but to be really exceptional in something, you, you got to love it, you know, because yeah, yeah. you got to go through a lot of, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly to be, you know, highly successful. So I, I think it really starts with a love that, it, you know, although you do invest a lot of time and effort, it doesn't feel like work to you, right. you know, because you love it so much. And I think that's where it starts. The second thing, you know, kind of go, going off your workshop, one of the things I talk about and changed my life a lot as a leader uh, was understanding my mission or purpose. And in fact, one of the things I talked about is uh, to people is, do you have your own personal mission statement? Are you clear about your why, you know, what, what you're all about? Because when I gained clarity, and it took me some time, uh, I read Dr. Covey's Seven Habits many years ago, and that's one of the things he really emphasized um, in, in that book with uh, one of his habits was the fact that you, know, you have to have clarity of you know having a personal mission mm -hmm. statement. And it took me a while, and he talked about you know you, you discover your mission. And now I'm very clear. You know, I, I you know when I was traveling the country, I would publicize you know that my mission was to be an outstanding role model that makes a positive difference in the world by helping others make their dreams come true. And, you know, I would share that to my teams, you know, that I'm all about trying to serve and help you be the best you can be. Certainly, we want to do this as a team, um, but I want to see you guys, um, you know, have success. So uh, when, I, when I was very clear about that, that helped me a lot as a leader. And I, I really emphasize that uh, that piece of, you know, because is I, I think I mentioned you a little bit is that, you know, most people have a dream. Most people don't think the dream can come true. And what I say is, you know, I, you know, by going and speaking or sharing, you know, steps doesn't guarantee it. But what I found is you can do a lot more than you think you can. Um, you know, and like, I, I never thought in my life, I'd be a published author. I never thought in my life, I, you know, I'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. Yeah. I mean, you know, those things. And you know, what? so, you know, you just thinking that the third thing, is, is the old-fashioned one is uh, the clarity of goal setting. We spend a lot of time with our players on individual and team goals and really having clarity of how those two would interconnect. And that was one of the things I talked about when I talked to leaders is um, you got to help them understand the clarity of how their individual goals fit into the team goals. Yeah. And if you don't know both, then I think you miss a, a really big piece on, on that direction. The fourth one I talk about is uh, what Jason to me was the essence is, and that's perseverance. What I call that never give up mindset that you're going to find a way no matter what. And, you know, and you, you know, you can read story after story. We've probably all either yourself or, you know, seen people that just, you know, found a way, overcame all kinds of obstacles. And Jason certainly was a great illustration. The fact that he got caught three straight years, but he stayed with it served our team was willing to commit and uh, because of that wanted to give them an opportunity because you know one of the things that uh I, we used to tell our players all the time you got to deserve victory and that's why i think jason deserved the chance because he was there every single day i think it's a really powerful thing the fifth one is the old uh, latin carpe diem you know the ability to seize the day and you know i would be lying to everybody if i said yeah yeah i expected jason to go in and score 20 points including six three-pointers <laughs> but what i will tell you is that 
you know what? He's always one of the first guys to practice, almost always the last guy to leave. You know, he was out in his driveway shooting. So he was preparing himself. So when he got the chance, he wasn't ill-prepared. Now, you know, I mean, uh, I, I'm a strong believer in God's and I think he had something to do with that night because, you know, to me, that's why my book is called The Coach and a Miracle. But I think the fact that Jason had the right attitude where the people, the kids really liked him a lot because of, you know, he was a giver to them. Uh, and then the other piece is the fact that he spent a lot of time in his game, even though he wasn't a great player, he had spent a lot of time on shooting and obviously it manifested that night. And then the last one is being a great team player. And again, I, you know, kind of piggyback what I just said is that I really believe the guys wanted to help Jason because he, he was one of those guys, he'd come to practice, you'd see him, you know, rebounding for one of the players on the team and it didn't matter who it was. He was, you know, at the end of practice, he'd always be rebounding for someone or, you know, and so that was a way that they could give back to him and shine the light on him. Uh, and, you know, and, as a coach, you know, you, those are your proudest moments when you really feel like the team is united and, you know, we're working for common goals um, because, it, you know, that's when special things happen. Uh, it's powerful stuff. I, I, I love it. And I'm going to go back to one of the one of those keys that really hit me hard was you deserve you have to have you have to have to deserve to victory. Mm -hmm. So basically you have to work hard enough so that you deserve to win. Right. And it kind of goes along with, I have a saying that says fear, regret, mm -hmm. because after you win or lose, what I wanted my players never to have was to have regret that I didn't give enough either in the game or in preparation for the game right. to deserve a victory. Yep. And I never wanted them to have that regret, whether if we won or lost, I wanted them to be able to look in the mirror and say, I gave everything I could. It just, we just didn't win tonight. Right. Then we're okay. Yep. And I, I just love that comment. You said you have to deserve victory. And I, I just think that's, that is one of the best comments I've heard and one of the best statements I've heard in a long time. Okay. And it goes right along with my um, fear regret yep. statement yeah. too. And it, it's really important for people to understand that because I think nowadays coach, a lot of people out there just think that they deserved to win without putting in the effort to win. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things uh, we went through a trend in society where, you know, we we're giving trophies for everything. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's nice to recognize, but I think people got to have clarity of, you know, why they're getting recognized. Right. Are they deserving that recognition, not just for showing up, you know, I mean, showing up is part of it, but you got to do more than just show up. And I, I think that's something that, you know, we taught. And one of the things I really always emphasize with our players is, you know, what are the things we can control? And of the things we can control, are we doing the best we can in those? You know, and I would always talk about work ethic and attitude, you know, and being a great teammate. Those are things you can control. You can't control the officials' calls, or in your case, the umpires' calls. You can't control, you know, the fans. You know, there's so many factors you can't control. So I think if you're going to get a group of people that work well together, you got to really have zero in and focus on the things they can control and be excellent in those things. Yeah. And, and, and really be conscious of them yes. too. I think that sometimes I, I say when the, when, when the noise hits is when you can really find out who a player is or who a worker is, if you're in a business or whatever, it's, it's when the noise hits, can they still maintain focus on what I can control 
type attitude and then also maintain the people first attitude, I think is, yeah. as well. Um, really powerful stuff, coach. And uh, real quick, where, where can people find your book? Yeah. So my book uh, is still on Amazon, but uh, uh, you know, I actually sell it on a d- discount on my uh, website now. And if you go through my website, coach Jim Johnson.com, um, you know, I sign it and, you know, we give a complimentary bookmark on one of my presentations and my seven keys to leadership, my six keys to making your dreams come true. You get one of those in uh, that. Uh, and also I do a, a free monthly newsletter. People can sign up. I also do a free weekly blog that uh, people can sign up for and they can certainly follow me. I'm on uh, Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and I'm just starting to do Instagram. I haven't quite figured that one out exactly, but, uh, uh, but, you know, and I do uh, actually, I do a success thought every day. Uh, I'm big into quotes. In fact, I used to give my team the way I divided my season up. Like I actually got this from the, uh, Tom Osborne, the great uh, Nebraska football coach, he used to break his team or his season into every week. He'd have a theme of the week. And I love that idea. So we used to do a theme of the week uh, and we would do a, a, uh, uh, with the theme, we would do a quote, like one week it'd always be on attitude. And one of my favorite attitude quotes is attitudes are contagious is yours worth catching, Uh, you know, and, and something, you know, we would really focus on, you know, again, the things we can control. Um, but we, you know, we spent a lot of time on building culture day in and day out, uh, you know, that, um, and, you know, that we were going to do certain things a certain way, um, you know, because one of the things I talk about is, uh, you know, to people and leaders is what is your leadership philosophy? And, and mine is what I call leave a profit. And simply what that means is everything that we wanted to get involved with we wanted to make better, not worse. You know, in other words, we wanted to turn to gold, not garbage. And I used to always give an illustration. I learned this from the late, great John Wooden uh, and how meticulous he was when his teams would travel, that they would never leave a restaurant or the locker room, you know, in disarray. That's something that we always used to talk about. You know, like when I would walk into a locker room, if I saw a piece of trash on the ground, I would pick it up. You know, yeah. putting the garbage because what I was trying to teach is everything that we touch, we want to make better, not worse. And you know, starting from picking up a piece of garbage or a towel off the floor, those are all the little things that end up, you know, making you a, a much better team. Yeah, and it's powerful stuff. And I, I, I want people to follow you on Twitter. First thing in the morning, every morning, I wake up and I read your yeah your quotes every morning. Um, they're they're great. And I know they're inspiring a lot of people, um, but I, it is something I look forward to. It's something, it's kind of a gratitude thing for me that I get to get up and, and turn, you know, flip my Twitter on and, and see your quote every morning. And it's, it's, a, it's a fun thing to do. And I hope people listening to this will do that and, and get on and follow you and, and start doing that because it's really powerful in the way you help people and serve people. Coach, three more questions. What, sure. what, what's your purpose in life? Well, that really comes down to uh, my mission, you know, which I did share with you. Yeah. Um, really, is is the ability. Uh, and, and the two things that, that jump out to me is I just, you know, for the rest of my life, I want to continue to find ways to serve and add value with people. And the second piece is we've gone through, you know, kind of a uh, certainly with COVID and you know, a lot of struggle 
with strife, you know, in many ways is one thing I really want to uh, refocus on everybody is no matter whether we agree or disagree on things that we're going to treat everybody with respect. Yeah, and it, and, I and agree. It, you know, I think we've lost some of that. And then, um, you know, and that's the one thing that I, you know, when I was a teacher and a coach and now, you know, when I'm out in the community that whether I liked you or not, I'm always going to treat you with respect. Yeah. And that's really important. The second question, because you know my book is Fighting Your Purpose, Perspective, and Passion. So what's your perspective on life? Well, my perspective is that um, I'm a constant learner. And yeah. so I think that the thing with me is it changed my life when I, I mentioned early in this podcast is, you know, that I lost my first varsity position at 25. But it really uh, made me a journey because I, I do another little talk uh, called the 10 questions all effective leaders should be able to answer. And it's all about personal leadership. And one of the questions I ask is, uh, do you have a personal growth plan? Because I think you, you, you have to be intentional. If you're not intentional, uh, you know, if you don't grow a little bit every day, yeah. I think you start to die a little bit. So, right. so my perspective is that I, uh, I'm curious I want to learn more and more about, you know, uh, things on how I can help people, especially in the areas that I love, which is leadership and building teams and that kind of thing. That's really powerful. And I, that's why you're on the people progressing podcast <laughs> right there. And, and last one, what's your passion coach? What's your passion in life? Well, uh, you know, it, that's another thing that, you know, has changed throughout the years. My, I mean, my passion for a long, long time, you know, was coaching uh, basketball. I just loved it, uh, you know, and, and that part was hard when I retired. Um, now, you know, my passion, I mean, I've always had a passion, uh, you know, for my family. I love my family. And I, and I now I have a couple of passions. I, I want to give value. So I love, you know, speaking now, you know, the COVID yeah. has been a struggle because I, now I am doing virtual presentations and, you know, I've gotten much better at them, but you know, there's nothing for me like a live presentation. And then the other part is because um, I've been so competitive in my life, I picked up another sport late in life. I, I've actually become a very avid tennis player. So I play a Good lot of tennis and uh, I have a lot of fun with that. So Good for you, coach. I, you know, I know we got to get going here, but I just want to thank you for coming on. You've made a, another great week in joining our people progressing family. And I know this is going to help people and I hope people can get on your website and you can book you to come over and speak, get your book, um, get, your, get on your Twitter account, and hopefully we'll get you on the Instagram. I'm kind of the same way, coaches. <laughs> you know, this technology stuff for us older guys is kind of yeah, tough, yeah. but um, it's, it's been great getting to know you. Uh, you became a mentor to me really fast, uh, reaching out to you and you called me back. I was surprised that when you call me back, I'm like, man, this is the guy who I saw on ESPN call me <laughs> back. And he's taking his time to spend some time with me trying to get in the same things that you're doing now. And yeah. I really look up to you for what you're doing and what you've done in your career and how many people you've influenced and inspired and so forth is, is, is what life's about. And I really appreciate you and, and uh, respect you and, and hold you in, in very high, very, very high regard. So thank you for coming on this week, coach. And, and best of luck in the in the next venture that you're going to go, and hopefully we get to see you speak soon. Yeah, well, Joe, thanks so much. It was a pleasure to spend some time with you, and I really look forward to growing our relationship. I have a lot of respect for you and all you've done, and uh, I love the fact that you're continuing to find ways to to serve others. So 
keep up your great work. Thank you, Coach. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the People Progressing Podcast. I'm Joe White, and uh, it was a great show with Coach Jim Johnson out of Rochester, New York, and talking about J-Mac and his uh, keys to success and, and leadership and dream, dream catching and, and so forth. So, uh, again, if you want to get a hold of me, Coach White, Coach Joe White 97 consultingcom you can get on there and get a hold of me through my email, which is coachjoewhite97 at gmail.com. Uh, I can come speak to your group, work with your group. You can buy my book on my website and so forth. I just want to thank you for supporting uh, our podcast and, and keep progressing, keep learning, and keep growing. Thank you.